Hi friends, it's Pastor Drew Wilkerson from Bridgewater Church. Hey, thanks for stopping by this podcast. It's our prayer that as you listen, God will speak to your heart and you will feel inspired and you'll learn new things that will help you in your daily walk with God and just in life in general. So again, thanks for stopping by and thanks for listening. Good morning, Bridgewater family. We are so excited to be together online. This is such an incredible way to stay connected with each other. And we just want to say we love you. So thank you for joining us for what is week two in our new series simply called Forgiveness. You know, forgiveness is something that isn't easy at times. Oh yeah, we've all had those wonderful moments where We've simply said to somebody we love, will you forgive me? And, and there's this wonderful forgiveness. But sometimes I think forgiveness is a lot more like the little four-year-old girl who prayed this when she was praying the Lord's Prayer. She said, and forgive us our trash baskets as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. I love it, don't you? Man, have you ever put trash in somebody's basket? Or maybe, maybe just this week, somebody tried to dump a whole trash can into your life. And it is difficult to give and sometimes even to receive forgiveness. And I want to talk about that today. I want to spend some time just diving into a story that answers the question, how much forgiveness is enough? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever wondered, is there a saturation point on giving forgiveness? Have you ever wondered, and, and wow, this is a shocking thing, have you ever wondered if God's like, you're reaching the saturation point on my forgiveness? I can tell you the good news is God wants to forgive us at any time we sincerely ask him. But how much forgiveness is enough? We're going to dive in to the story found in Matthew 18, 21 through 35. And it all begins when Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, really thinks he has a handle on what it means to forgive others. And as Jesus speaks to Peter and the disciples, he tells a parable and four incredible insights come out of this that I'm going to warn you right now. These are tough insights. Maybe we should even call them truths that we need to apply to our own lives. And I want you to just understand before we get started, God isn't asking us to forgive others by ourselves. He wants to help us and he's going to give us the motivation for it. So let's dig in. Matthew 18, 21 through 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Wow, what an incredible moment. Now, you need a little bit of cultural backstory for this. Were you aware that for the Jewish people, they were told they had to forgive three times? If somebody offended you, especially if it was the same offense, 
you could give uh, three opportunities for forgiveness. But on the fourth, you don't have to do anything. You're done. There is a temptation with that one, I think, even today. Like, how many times do I need to forgive you? Peter steps up and he, <laughs> he thinks he's got the answer. Seven in the Jewish faith is a perfect number. It has this divine sense of perfection. And I think that's what was rolling through Pete's mind. I think he walks up to Jesus and he goes, hey Jesus, how many times do we have to forgive somebody? And then he plops this out. He knows three is the limit, so he says seven. What about seven times? I think he's kind of puffing up his chest a little bit. I think, I think Peter's thinking, I got this one. You know, I've been wrong before, but this one, I'm good. Then Jesus looks at Peter and says, not seven times. 77 times. Now, I will tell you, when I was younger and I heard this as a kid, I thought, 77 times? That's not at all what Jesus means. What Jesus is saying is that, and this is the first insight, forgiveness must be endless. When Jesus says 77 times, what he's actually saying is, Forgive infinitely, forgive limitlessly, endlessly we must be willing to forgive. Why? Because in Corinthians it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. So we're going to have to forgive. In fact, do you know who I think gives us the beautiful phrase for this? Buzz Lightyear. You know it, to infinity and beyond, say it with me, to infinity and beyond. Our first insight that sets the stage for the story Jesus is going to tell is this. Forgiveness must be endless. Now let's continue. I don't think Jesus thought that's enough. I don't think Jesus thought they've got it yet. In fact, for the disciples that were near Peter, in earshot of this, I think they're shocked. Jesus says this, therefore, he's going to tell the story, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this time, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Here's our next insight. Forgiveness must be eradicating. Forgiveness must be eradicating. Now, Jesus tells the story, and I'll just be honest with you. He told the story in such a way that he wanted to blow up the thinking of his disciples' uh, traditions, what they had become accustomed to. He wanted them to get completely outside the box. 
And so he tells this story that, that no one expected Jesus to tell. And here it is. There is a servant, in some versions of the Bible, it literally says a slave, who is entrusted with the wealth of the king. And the king comes and says, listen, it's time for you to pay back your debt that you owe me because you've been spending my money. And Jesus throws this incredible number out. 10,000 talents was owed by this servant. Now let's do the math. 10,000 talents. It's something the disciples couldn't even wrap their mind around, and this is why. In silver, $10,000 or 10,000 talents today would translate to about 176 million bucks. Jesus isn't really trying to make sense of this. He remember, he's trying to get their mind open because in gold, it would be three billion dollars. Now you're like, wait a minute. First, we're, we're trying to make sense of this. First, how could anybody ever amass that kind of a debt? What was the king thinking? I think I would have a harder time understanding it if, if I didn't realize that the national debt for the U.S. is probably something like the last time I read, over $30 trillion. So here is a servant that was entrusted with the master's finances, and he has spent this money on his own, for his own means, and now he owes it. And the disciples, especially Peter, I think they're, they're, they're like, wow, where is Jesus going with this? How could anybody ever get in this kind of a debt? And guess what? That's not the point. The point Jesus is making is that the debt is so huge. The debt is so huge that the servant can't repay it. He can't repay it at all. And if we look closely at this next 60-second window, when the servant knew that the king could sell his family, could take everything he had, the servant falls to his knees and says, be patient with me. He begged, be patient, and I will pay everything back. Now, the idea to be patient means to not just wait, but to be merciful. Now, that's important. This, this slave, this servant isn't saying, hey, uh, let's work out a compromise. He knows he owes it all. And he says, be patient with me. In other words, not only wait for me to pay the debt back and let me figure it out, but be merciful to me. Because he knew that the king had the authority to avenge himself, to have all of it repaid. But we're also told this, the king had compassion. Wow. Now, can I just ask this? Let's, let's just break this down. If somebody owed you a million bucks, just a million, not 176 million, just a mil. If somebody owed you a million dollars, would you patiently, mercifully, 
and graciously have compassion on that person and say, it's no big deal. It's fine. You're forgiven. In fact, we're told the debt is canceled. It's completely canceled. I got a phone call one day when I was much younger. Matthew, our middle child, had been born. And uh, we got the doctor bill. That was back in the day when uh, we didn't have any money, Kay and I, really. And we got the doctor bill, and it was our portion of it, our 20% of it, was uh, several thousand dollars. One day, I picked up the phone, and it was the doctor's office. And they said... um, You have a payment due, but the doctor has waived all your fees. I I just stopped. I was in shock. I'm like, ma'am, could you say that again? She kind of chuckled and she said, you heard us right. The doctor has decided to cancel the debt that you owe for your son's birth. You don't owe us anything else. Tears started running down my face. I hung up the phone, and I I don't dance. You don't want to see me dance, but I do a really good shout for joy moment. And I, Kay's like, what happened? And I said, we don't owe the doctor anymore. We have been given forgiveness for the debt. Now, I want you to think about this. When God forgives us, he cancels our debt completely. It's obliterated, eliminated, paid in full. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he died for all our sins. And when we go to Jesus and ask forgiveness for our sins, as the Bible beautifully says, they are thrown as far as the east is from the west. Sins that we thought we could never, ever get out from under the weight of it. Jesus is willing to forgive. Why? Because forgiveness must be endless. Forgiveness must be eradicating. And then here's the next insight. Matthew 18, verse 28 through 30. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Did you catch that, church? But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. And and now remember, this is the master, this is the king. He called the servant in and said, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Here's our third insight. Forgiveness must be experiential. 
Forgiveness must be experiential. Now, this is incredibly important. This is the moment where we begin to understand how God views forgiveness for us and his expectations of the limitless forgiveness that we must give to others. Jesus didn't want to just finish the the, uh, application to the disciples with half the story. He goes on and he says, okay, what did the man do who was forgiven $176 million, $3 billion, depending on silver or gold, what's a few dollars, right? What happened to him? What did he do? Did did he go out and throw an I'm a debt-free party? Did he shout for joy? Did he go tell all his friends? No. You know what the first thing was that he did? He thought, I'm debt-free now, so I got to go get some, some cash. I don't have the king's money to spend anymore. The master's money isn't mine. So he goes out and finds a guy who owes him a hundred denarii. I want you to see this. I want you to wrap your mind around it. A hundred denarii in today's monetary terms, about 500 bucks. Do you see the contrast? 500, 176 million. What do you do when you're forgiven so, so incredibly? What do you do when you're forgiven and the debt's eradicated? This guy goes out find somebody who owes him 500 bucks. And you know what he does? He starts by choking him. We don't even see that in the king or the master. The the king doesn't start by choking a guy. he's, He's wanting to have a conversation. He wants to connect with him. He wants to give compassion. He wants to give mercy. But what does the servant who's forgiven do? He goes out and finds a guy who owes him 500 bucks, and he begins to choke him. And he says, you owe me. Now, Jesus is always strategic. Don't ever forget that about Jesus. Jesus uses the same language for the second debtor. Debtor number two looks at forgiven debtor number one and says, please be patient with me. Same language, same verbiage. The same exact thing that the first debtor said that opened the heart of the king, the master, now this servant says it, and it doesn't change the forgiven debtor's mind at all. Not at all. He doesn't even think about it. He doesn't even stop. He just keeps going, choking him, you owe me. And, and, and the man, now, now listen, Two things happen here that are pretty incredible. Number one, don't forget the people are watching you. They're watching me. We're told in the scripture that servants are watching this guy. He had influence. After all, look at how much money the king had entrusted to debtor number one. People are watching to see what we do and how we do it. We can't just come into church. We can't just watch a great message online that is just bathed in truth from God's word 
and then walk away and say, that was nice. There's got to be an application. Why? Not only for our own lives, but people are watching us. And did you also know this other insight from the scripture? News travels fast. News, news travels fast. Whatever you think no one's uh, watching, they're seeing it and they want to tell it. In fact, I think one of the craziest things today, have you ever watched all this news, news stuff, news feed? The minute anything happens that seems to be uh, social media worthy, somebody's ready to record you with a video. And they're going to post it without your permission. We don't need to be afraid if we're walking in truth. Amen to that, church. We don't need to be afraid of all this. We just need to walk in the compassion and the mercy and the love of God that we are given. Now, I want you to think about this. I want to go to the message. I just want to drive this point home. This is how the message translates this. The king summoned the man and said, you evil servant. Now remember, this is debtor number one, has gotten called back into the presence of the, of the king. The king summoned the man and said, you evil servant, I forgave you your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? The king was furious and put the screws to the man until he paid back his entire debt. Wow. Do you know what all this hinges on? It all hinges on this insight. The same generous heart of the king that offered mercy and forgiveness now demanded justice. Why? Because it had not made any difference to the first debtor. Forgiveness has to be experiential. How we receive mercy and grace and forgiveness from God and from others, that's how God expects us to give to other people. That's where God expects us to show our love for others. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 12 through 15. This is very clear. At the very end of the teaching on the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, this is how you pray, uh, pray uh, forgive, our, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now look at how he closes this out. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Please Put a big stop on this for you. Press the pause button. We've all sinned and need God's forgiveness. Every one of us. The motivation behind our forgiveness must be the same motivation behind the forgiveness of God, which is love. See, I can easily forgive the people that I, I easily can love. Isn't that true for you? There are some people in my life that it's easy to forgive them because they're just so easy to love. But you know what Jesus expects? The people that aren't easy? The people that intentionally make it hard, like the debtor who was forgiven 175 million bucks, but isn't going to be forgiving? He, he wants to choke his, his uh, uh, friend that he has loan the money to, those are the people in our lives that are difficult to forgive. But you know what Jesus says? Do it anyway. 
Because your resources for forgiveness aren't just your own human resources. Our resources that we draw from, the deep well that we draw the water of life and forgiveness and grace from, is the well of God's love. And it's hard. And then add to what Jesus is saying. It's so hard. He goes, and how many times do you do it? Three times? And then you're done? Hey, I'm done with you. Is it, is it seven times? No. Seventy-seven times, limitlessly, we keep forgiving people. Now, that doesn't mean, that does not mean that we stay in toxic relationships. Because there are people that will try to take advantage of that. But what we can do from the very bottom of our hearts is forgive others because God has forgiven us limitlessly. He's eradicated it, and it's experiential. In fact, it reminds me of the time we had a phenomenal communion uh, service during a Christmas Eve service years ago when I was pastoring in Pennsylvania. The house was full for Christmas Eve. We did communion. You could just really sense the power of the Holy Spirit. And after church, we were all greeting each other, talking to each other, and all of a sudden I had... Uh, I had the drummer of our band come up to me and he tapped me on the, the shoulder and he said, can I see you in the kitchen? I think, wow, Christmas Eve, okay. And I go over into the kitchen and uh, this brother, he, wonderful guy, he looked at me and he said, will you serve me communion? And I said, well, sure. I said, I'd be glad to serve you communion. He goes, well, I didn't receive communion because I wasn't right with God. And I wasn't right with God because I wasn't right with my pastor. He said, I've been upset with you about some things and haven't been willing to come and talk to you about them. And he said, it's all me. He said, this hasn't been about you. This has been about me. And he said, I want you to know that I love you. And as God has forgiven me, I'm, I'm forgiving. But I also need you to forgive me. And then all of a sudden, he just, he just embraced me. And he hugged me. And he's crying and I'm crying. And we then... Two brothers took communion in the kitchen of the church after the Christmas Eve service. Because you know why? For God, his kingdom extends beyond online services, church services, special events. It's always. It's forever. And that's why forgiveness must be experiential. But there's one more insight that I've got to give you. It comes from the last verse, verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, I need to read this again. We've touched on it, but we've got to make a point very clear. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Here's the fourth insight. Forgiveness must be extravagant. It's got to be incredibly extravagant. Now, have, are you able to, to, to just grab this thought? It's a theological thought, but it's just a practical thought. As much as God is a God of grace and mercy, God is also just. That's very, very hard for us at times to understand. It's not unthinkable that God would forgive so lavishly and punish so justifiably. God is such a great God of compassion and mercy 
But God has expectations of those that say we belong to him. Jesus is intentional with this last verse. Forgiveness must be extravagant, and he's teaching us that as we are forgiven by God, we must forgive others. But here's what he's really making this point. The minute you and I don't want to forgive others lavishly, listen, it's because we've struggled to let God forgive us lavishly. We're holding on to a grudge. We're mad at someone. We've decided, well, I'm not going to forgive that person. You, I had somebody come up to me one time, and they said, Pastor, it was a great message on forgiveness, but it doesn't apply to me. Because, it, or seriously. And the person said, it doesn't apply to me because you don't know what the person has done to me. I looked at that, I looked at that guy, and I said, yeah, but I know what I've done to Jesus, and I'm glad he died on the cross for me. What about you? We've got to stop seeing relationships in terms of how we only interact this way. We've got to see the relationship this way. If I have been extremely loved and given mercy and compassion from someone, then it is my responsibility to give that kind of love and compassion to others. As, but, but if I haven't let God forgive me to the depths of my heart, how am I going to forgive others that way? If I, have, if I think that life has treated me unjustly, how am I ever going to be a man of grace? How are you ever going to be a woman of mercy? You see, that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about what it really means to give everything we can over to God because forgiveness must be extravagant. There is a story that has been told over and over and over again for the last few decades. But it is a story that drives the entire point and teaching of this lesson home on what it means for us to forgive others. Corey Ten Boom, she and her sister, as Christians, were arrested and thrown into a Nazi concentration camp because they helped Jewish people. They were humiliated. They were uh, completely uh, void of food and medical needs were unmet. In fact, her sister, Corey's sister, died in the prison camp. Long after she had been released and Corey Ten Boom had begun writing and teaching. She was shocked when one evening a guard, a German guard from the prison camp she was in, came up to her after the service. He looked at her, someone who had jeered and visually raped these women. He stood before Corey Ten Boom with an outstretched hand and said, Will you forgive me? Now, folks, there isn't a single one of us that would say we could forgive someone after what Corey had been through, if we had been through it, and she just stood there. She writes, and I want to read this. 
I stood there with coldness clutching at my heart. But I know that the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. I prayed, Jesus, help me. Woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the hand of the guard. I stretched out not just my hand, but my willingness to reconcile. And something incredible happened. An electric current literally went through my arm, racing down my shoulder and sprang into our clutched hands. Then a warm reconciliation flooded my whole being and I began to cry and say, I forgive you, brother. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known the love of God so intensely as I did in that moment. And then she writes, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. This morning, to close, there's really two questions that need to be asked. First, have you ever authentically asked God to forgive you? We're going to do that in a moment. If you've never asked Jesus to forgive you for your sins, that's where it all begins. This desire for freedom begins with the resources of Jesus Christ, the resources only he can give. The second question is this, have you let God's love so radically impact your life that no matter who it is that has hurt you, you're able and willing, say that with me church, you're able and willing to forgive. Not because anyone deserves it, because we don't deserve it either, but we do it because God loves us so I want to pray for you. And this is, this is a bold prayer. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and you know what we're going to do. Let's get our hands out and get ready. Father God, for the person right now that has never asked Jesus Christ to be his or her Savior, I pray that they would pray this simple prayer right now. Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me. Set me free. And God, help me to forgive others as you are forgiving me right now. And I believe in this moment I am saved. And Jesus is living in my heart. Now for all of us that know Jesus, I want to pray for us to be forgiven. God, we are human beings and can be so hurt and hurtful. But God, we come before you right now asking that we would love so extravagantly as you have loved us. And that when we forgive, even when it's hard, we forgive out of the abundance of love that we have. That you've given us, Jesus. And even if it's woodenly and mechanically, 
Help us to be obedient with the will that you've entrusted to us. And may we choose to honor you, God, by forgiving others. And may we begin to realize that we've been the prisoners and we're asking you to set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you so much. Listen, this is important. Our online family is amazing and you're crucial. You're crucial to the ministry of this church. And if you've prayed either one of those prayers, will you put it out there? Just put your name with it. Just say, hey, I'm, I'm Drew or I'm Jim or I'm, I'm Liz or whoever you might be. Just throw it out there and say, I prayed that prayer today. But if you have a specific need, let us know that. So we have a pastor that's going to chat with you online today. And uh, we want to know that you're with us. And we also want you to know we're with you. You're not alone. We love you so much. And this is an incredible time to choose to forgive because God has loved us so much that he's willing to forgive us. Until we see each other again, take heart and be transformed. Hey friends, thanks for listening. And if you want to be a part of our e-family, then all you have to do to join us is click the link below and you can check us out on our YouTube page. You can also join us on social media. And if you'd like to support the ministry, then just click the link to give. We're so grateful for all of our partners and together we can do more than we can alone. So again, thanks to all of you for listening to this podcast and also thank you for helping us reach people around the world through Jesus Christ.